The Celtics are back home safe after a long and arduous road trip, and we have probably the ultimate guest joining us to talk all about it, the most qualified guest. That's all coming up now on First to the Floor. Who's going to be first to the floor here? And it is Marcus Smart, as he usually is. That's not the first time we've seen a superstar in Penny White. Such a fight for the Hey, hey, welcome into another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Whether it's live here on YouTube or later on the Celtics blog podcast feed, thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Wayne Spoonie, Jake Eisenberg, both joining us for this one. But we're very, very excited to welcome from NBC Sports Boston, Celtics sideline reporter and recent radio analyst, uh, <laughs> along with uh, Sean Grande there, Abby Chin. Welcome, Hello. Abby. How's it going? I'm well. How are you all? Doing well. Yeah. I imagine, you know, a very long road trip for you guys. I think you were away for, what was it, 10 days? In 12 total. days. How does it feel to be back? 12 days. Wow. It was 12 days from leaving the day before the game and then coming back because the team flew back from the West Coast on Wednesday. So, yes, it was 12 days gone. Um, it was good. It was long. Um, I spent a couple extra days in Phoenix, which was lovely, seeing an old friend, nice. which is always nice. But um, I do. I came home and I felt like... The house was completely different. Like the kids, silver <laughs> was in the di- a different place. I had to ask my husband, like, "What are the routines again? What are we doing?" And so, yeah, it felt like I was away for a very. The long kids time. look older. That always happens right? to me when yeah. I'm gone and for a week. It's like they're completely different people. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I-, I felt exhausted just watching the team travel for that long. So I, I can't imagine what it was like to physically uh, be there. Sticking with the road trip, what were the sort of the best moments or typically from a road trip like that or on this particular road trip, what are the, the best moments and the worst moments from a, a road trip as long as that? This one was long, so <laughs> that, that's hard to <laughs> compartmentalize <laughs> um, or just like pick specific moments. It's kind of like the playoffs last year. It was such a blur. Each um, series had its own identity. Uh, but so I would say the my favorite game was the Phoenix game when the Celtics just rolled over them. We're up by 40, whatever at one point. Um, Cause going into that, it was, it was supposed to be a showdown between the top team in the East and the top team in the West. And Chris Paul was coming back. He'd been saving, waiting to get back for the Celtics. And then after a little bit of a slow start, they just steamrolled them and looked unbeatable no. through that whole game. So that was a lot of fun. It's always better for me and for what I'm doing when the Celtics are winning because everyone's in a good mood. Um, But you speak to that exhaustion, Ben, and uh, Jalen Brown, when I talked to him after the win in L.A., and and I I don't know where, like what reserves those guys drew from for that because that was another highlight of the trip. What He just looked at me and he's like, I'm just exhausted. (laughs) Like the, the mental toll that that took, let alone physical. And then the fact that they had to end it on a back-to-back and the second night was a national game against Anthony Davis and LeBron James. is in uh, yeah. And then they yeah. somehow <laughs> found a way to I'm getting tired listening to this. Gee yeah. it's, funny, yeah. it's funny you bring up that Jalen quote because that's I kind of wanted to ask you about that is it resonated with a homebody like myself. He said, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I'm just ready to get the F out of here. It's been a long trip. Like, When you're traveling with the team, can you kind of feel that as the trip's coming to an end? Like, these guys are ready to get out of here. They're dead. Or or do you not really see that? I mean, can you, like, do you perceive that from the team? I'm not sure. I don't necessarily feel it. And that is something that is 
specific to this group because they do have this no excuse mentality. All of these guys, and, and it even happened in LA, go, a lot of them go and lift weights after the game. <laughs> and so like from Al Horford to, you know, Jason Tatum is in there all the time. Rob Williams is typically in there. And so, and they did that even after LA. So they do prepare for this. Um, I was a little surprised to hear Jalen say, I am so exhausted. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and I'll tell you that, you know, yes, for them, it is so much more than it is for me because I am lucky that I do get to travel with the team. So, you know, it's on charter planes. We take a bus, you, you know, you get on the plane, you take a bus from the plane to the hotel, the hotel to the arena, back to the hotel and then back onto a plane. So you like, don't have to think. I book myself um, commercial flights in and out because I like to leave on the last flight in, whereas the team typically leaves around two o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, I constantly, every time I get off the plane, I'm like, am I in the right spot? Now what do I do? <laughs> like how do I have to go, you know, your luggage is just like delivered to you when you get there. I'm like, what do I, and so I get lost from time to time. So for me, it's not so bad. The The challenges are that you get in late at night. We typically fly the night of the game. So the crazy one, and we rarely do this, but we flew from Toronto to Phoenix overnight. So we left Toronto at about yeah. midnight, which is good getting out considering customs and all of mm. that. And then we mm. got into Phoenix at 3 a.m. Phoenix time, but 5 a.m. East Coast time. And then you have to, we had to go through customs there and then um, get your bags and all of that. And then to like get in your room and get settled and you've just been awake, you're traveling, right? So then it takes like a few, a couple hours, oh, maybe yeah. an hour or so, depending on who you are to get settled in. So then you're not going to sleep until, you know, five o'clock, seven o'clock Eastern time. So um, those are the days I think that kind of add up on the body and like trying to get your sleep schedule back to where it is. Uh, but I would say relatively speaking, cause there was so much time between games, the travel for this one wasn't as bad, but the mental toll that it took. And I think that's really what you saw in the golden state game and the Clippers game and that loss, like just, and, and it's what we saw and what the young guys realized that is required to make a championship run is that you have to have that mental focus every night. And so I think, you heard Jalen talk about it. There's no question. They put a little too much stock into that Golden State game and the finals rematch and just wanting to go out there and play so well. And then when it didn't start off good, things just started to snowball. But and then after that, to have that like mentally toll on you and have to go out and play the Clippers and you're just like, oh, again. And <laughs> Kawhi's back. Come on. Like, Kawhi's back. Yeah. Come on. More stars. Paul George. Jason's like, I'm beyond this already. What are we playing? <laughs> So, I, I know I say no excuses, but I, I don't necessarily blame them. I mean, road trips yeah. are long. It is it is an arduous task, especially at this point in the season where you're still just kind of chugging and churning and trying to find yourselves. And so um, I do think four and two is a, a a really good result of that road trip. Yeah, these guys are, are humans, right? And like yeah. there's so much, so much travel. I think the the mental aspect of the travel is is so underrated. I mean, me and Ben, when we hung out on Sunday, we were we were trading photos of Jalen's um, physique, like the physical conditioning of these guys. A um, couple of guys yeah, hanging yeah, out. Yeah, just, just dudes <laughs> talking about dimensions. That's what we do. Um, like the, it was kind of not super – like it was impressive but not super surprising to me that they were kind of able to outlast the Lakers. Like they shouldn't have been able to. Um, the Lakers weren't on a back-to-back. The Lakers – I mean, the Celtics were just on that. I mean, you just outlined how ridiculous of a schedule the Celtics had to go through. 
Um, you mentioned the Warriors game and how Jalen talked about being um, kind of too up for it. Do you kind of get a sense of the team's mentality before a game, whether it's um, good or bad, before they put up a stinker, um, before they have an incredible game, like a game against the Mavs? Um, these guys are such creatures of habit, but are you able to like get a sense of like different tense tensenesses? <laughs> I wish I, I might like start gambling or something. <laughs> Just but send them no, to us, was, please. Like, no. <laughs> I'm not allowed. I don't do that for the record. <laughs> if, I did, it would be, if I could understand their mood. Um, it, it is, we were not allowed in the locker rooms for the last two seasons. And so now being back, it is different. Um, I will say that there are a lot of places for guys to hide. So <laughs> we don't see everyone all the time. Um, but there. I don't. And it is something when I do talk to the coaches pregame, I try to ask, you know, like, what's the vibe? What is your message while this is happening? What are you um, kind of getting from your guys? And I will always remember last season, there was one of the early games, um, probably in December, November, but Ime Udoka afterwards told us, he was like, we were terrible in shoot around. I told these guys, if you played like this SHI in the game, (laughs) we're going to lose. And then they played like, SHI. And so are we allowed to curse on this thing? I don't know. And and then he came to the, <laughs> he came to the post-game press conference was like, I told them they did it anyway. And so he's like, I saw this coming. So unfortunately we cannot, I, I don't feel like I can get a good mm-hmm. pulse. I feel like, um, and you know, like the Golden State one, I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily felt that they were, that there was anxiety within the room. But the, all of the talk leading up to it and everything that they were saying leading up to it and everything that Jason and Jalen specifically have been saying all the way through from media day, just how awful their summers were, how much pain they were in after losing emotionally, after losing the finals, the way they did on the parquet. And so I, I don't I'm not surprised that they put so much into that game. And I also won't be surprised if when Golden State comes here, it'll be a completely different story. And if they do mm-hmm. have a rematch in the finals, it'll be a completely different story. And I do think it's something, um, speaking of the road trip, that became very clear to the Celtics. And it's one thing to say it, but it's a different thing to live it. And that is that you are, you now have a target on your back and you're going to get every team's best shot. And so to do that for 82 games is a lot and it's hard and it's a lot to ask from people. And as even elite athletes. And so I think that we are going to see that kind of rear its ugly head throughout the season. That was a long way of saying, no, I don't, I wish yeah. I could. I wish yeah. I had. <laughs> well, I mean, and I do yeah. some games being like, I think this is, this is it. And then they lose. And some games I'm like, oh gosh, they seem tense in there. And then they come out and kill it. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I think, you know, Steph Curry talks about when he does his warm up and like some games he'll, he won't miss a single shot and warm up and he'll have some of his worst games and, yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. It's like he used all his buckets yeah, in the warm-up. Right. Exactly yeah. right. So that's probably just the same in our lives, yeah. right? You know, sometimes you think you're going to have a great day and sometimes you just, you can't pull it together. And some, and the other, other times you're, and you're able to just, just to get it together. But um, yeah. Sometimes and, I try to gauge it from Marcus Smarts, his uh, last shot before warm-ups. If that goes uh-huh. in eventually, yes. I feel good. But, uh, <laughs> I think even that. I think using yeah. Marcus Smart as a general, you know, vibes indicator is probably yeah. probably a good move. Um, so I like that theory. <laughs> the vibe Although he weather. has a lot of swag, he will never tell you that he doesn't feel well oh, before a game. Yeah, he's, so. he's just vomiting, you know, in the middle of games and coming back, and 
you know, being the, the reason they are able to pull off comebacks. No big deal. No big deal. Or he misses the first five and then he hits the one at the buzzer nah. before the end of the quarter. And then. Yeah. I don't think he's yeah. in overtime. He's, yeah. He can't remember a single shot that he's missed. I'm convinced. No, no way. I wish I lived that way. I wish <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Yeah. Like possession to possession and completely forget about every mistake that I just made. I love Incredible. It. So you got to uh, hit some pretty cool cities, pretty cool arenas on this road trip. What is your favorite city to travel to, NBA city? And what's your favorite arena to be in and be a part of the game in? So I think um, this is a really hard question because of all 29 other places, um, a lot of it, I'm, I'll be honest with you, depends on the hotel at this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I feel um, that. <laughs> Perfectly uh, valid. <laughs> we stay we and we stay at the same places. So when I earlier in my career, I really tried to make it a point to get out and like see all the sites. And like I said, I don't have a car there. So it's really anything that you can walk to. So um, this is my 10th season. And I really have explored all of the areas around the hotel, <laughs> especially <laughs> then post pandemic. Now it's just about like what the hotel is like, what restaurants are within walking distance. And um, <laughs> and I think one of my favorites is New York, obviously, because right. um, we get to stay uh, kind of down by the World Trade Center. And um, it's just a beautiful area. And it always just feels cool to be in New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then MSG, obviously, mm, just has incredible. this aura about it. And it's the fun thing about MSG is they have this huge loading dock that you have to the bu- the bus parks at the bottom and you have to walk up it. <laughs> and it's just like it's the only arena that's like that. And it just feels like you're walking up into what's going to be an epic battle, you know? So it's like, you're just preparing for battle, walking up that stage, up to the stage. Um, So I I really enjoy that one. The Chase Center where we just were for the Warriors is awesome and it gets loud and it gets rowdy and it's a lot of fun. I don't Um, like the Chase Center. You don't? No, I just, just emotionally, just emotionally. (laughs) But I'm glad you're- Shway's off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Maybe they should bring some sage next time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like it. Like, Somebody yeah. call Kyrie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We might not have to worry about it after Steph Curry and the shoulder thing that came out today. So fingers crossed. That's and as much as you like this Chase Center, hopefully that's that's enough of the Celtics and Chase Center this year. The crowd is just the crowd is good, and, yeah. and the crowd's really good in Milwaukee too. They get mm. loud. The playoff series that we've had in Milwaukee have been intense, and you can feel it. I mean, there is nothing like TD Garden in the playoffs, but Milwaukee yeah. gets up for those games. I was going to ask like the, the narrative about the the TD Garden fans being like by far the most emotive league wide. Obviously, we're all a little biased, but yeah. do you think that's factually correct? So. I do. But like you said, we are emotionally biased. But I, there, I have never felt anything like I feel in a game seven when the Celtics are rolling. And it is like the place is just hanging on every single shot. And and it's from the jump. It's from, you know, it's not waiting to see for the game to get in. And and um, even just like a Peyton Pritchard moment. And when he oh. takes the floor and everyone is so excited for him. Um Yes, game two yeah, against no, the Nets when he compared. went off in the fourth quarter like that. I th- I was I was actually in Brooklyn for that one when Peyton Pritchard had that fourth quarter mm-hmm. against Brooklyn. Like, there's something special about a bench guy coming off and being the reason that you get a win, and to do it like in a playoff game. And that's the thing about Celtics fans like we we get it. Like we're really right. they're really you know smart. That. Yeah. And Celtics Nation travels. I don't know if you guys could hear yeah. it on the road, but there were huge contingents in every single stop in Phoenix. There was legit MVP chance for Jason Tatum when he stepped to the free throw line. And like in the first quarter, 
And so um, they tried to stamp that out in Golden State. They did a better job there. And then they did a better job in LA for the Lakers specifically. But I mean, there were so many Celtics fans everywhere we went. Yeah, I live about three hours from DC now. And I went to the Wizards Celtics game when Tatum had the 50. And it was like, 60% 60% Celtics fans in DC. I mean, it was not even close. Especially in blowouts too, because then oh, the yeah. home team tend to <laughs> leave. leave. And then yeah. it's like, yeah, Celtics Nation takes over. Yep. So good. The, the yeah. jerseys are starting to pop up here in Australia as well for a long time. A lot of Ben Simmons, Philadelphia 76ers <laughs> yeah, jerseys. Totally. A lot of Patty Mills. Now we're starting to yeah. see Tatum's. My two-year-old daughter, she has her own Jason Tatum jersey. She proudly wears that to daycare on every day that I have the chance to dress her. Um, so really starting to bubble up here in Australia as well. Uh, Abby, like we mentioned, you, you kind of get to be around the team quite a bit in your role and see the personality of these guys and tons of other guys who have played for the Celtics uh, as well in the past. Who is one player who I suppose either played for the Celtics once upon a time or is otherwise floating around the league that might be the perfect fit for this particular group, personality-wise or, or even player fit-wise? But I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but you did give me a little peek at these questions. So this one I had to think about, <laughs> really hard about. Um, and so I have come up with Kelly Olynyk. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. The Celtics could use some size. Obviously, yep. they, could, they love their... He plays the space game. I think he could pick up his pace always. Um, and he's a super smart, high basketball IQ, could work in this defense, the high switching defense. But he would also, I think, really fit in in the locker room. Um, one of the stories I love to tell about Kelly is, but it's also his competitive nature, is we were on the plane. Kelly loves burritos and sushi. Those were like his favorite foods. And so he was like, once a teammate dared him, like, how many bites do you think it'll take you to eat that burrito? And he's like, I think I can do it in three. And they're like, no way. Absolutely not. No freaking way. And just like money on the table. Kelly freaking did it. Just like these three humongous bites of a burrito. And it was disgusting. (laughs) That's amazing. And like, and right. And so I think that, you know, he's, and he's, he's funny. He's got a good spirit about him obviously a team player and like could take the ribbing that you know there's a lot of um junk talked now with the addition of Blake Griffin in the locker room Mm -hmm. and I think Kelly could take that and um would enjoy it the vibes the vibes man yeah yeah well there's a reason Danny Ainge got Tom Brady and Kelly Olynyk together he understands the the influence With Kevin Durant, I forgot about that. Yeah, of course, he would be such a good fit um, on the team as well. Like, can stretch it out. He's a good, a great passer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then now you've got Kelly doing fake handoffs. Grant's because Grant's starting to pick that up. If the master of the fake handoff, Kelly O, could come in and take Grant under his wing with the fake handoff, I think that would be that would be perfect. Um, So Jason Tatum, he's having like a pretty good year. Um, And yeah, like you know, (laughs) not bad. is there anything uh, like that you notice different about him coming in? I think you know. For me, seeing like I, I watch every post game interview, um, I, I think that he's become like kind of a Brad Stevens clone um, as far as like not high, too low, not not high, not too high, not too low goes. But is there anything kind of different um, that you've seen about his approach this year? I don't know about his approach. So I did after the finals. I was like everyone else. I wanted him to come back angry and hungry, and we. When you saw him throughout the summer, he seemed very even keeled and um, just kind of 
because he was everywhere, right? He was in mm-hmm. LA working out with KD. He went to Seattle to play in that um, pro-am game for Jamal Crawford and uh, was doing a bunch of photo shoots for Ruffles and all of that. And um, he seemed like the regular Jason, but the moment he came in a media day and was so emotional about how tough this summer was and how badly, how much he doesn't care about anything else but winning. The whole goal is to get back there. And, and I think that that has shown in the way that he's played. And I think that it was so important for both he and Jalen to make it to that level, to the championships, to the finals, and then also play a team like the Warriors who play team basketball, who share the ball and play for one another. For them to see that, to see that that breeds success, that breeds winning, that it just reinforced every lesson that they learned on the way there. And so he has played so much more unselfishly. He under, He's trusting his teammates, understands that when you give the ball up, it's going to come back to you. Um, and so that is different. I will say, because I, I have, and I know, I don't know if this question is coming up later, but I have covered Jason and Jalen from the moment they came into yep. the league. And I feel like Jason in particular in his interactions with the media has grown exponentially just over the last two years. And And I don't know if it was, since the bubble, but he has just been phenomenal with all of us and also being able to express what he is feeling and, and how he approaches the game, but also how he sees it and how he is dealing with it night to night, but also dealing with his teammates. And so um, it's been really fun to watch. It's been amazing. And, and like, obviously whenever I retire someday, that's what I will remember is the growth of those two guys and Mark is smart as well. Mm. Um, I came in my first year was Brad Stevens first year. So that was my first season. So, which was a crazy season, right? 25 wins. We had um, uh, Jordan Crawford. The Steez was in there. Gerald Wallace, um, Chris Humphreys. Like that was such a weird group. And it was such an interesting locker room to be in. So yes, to see their development has just been incredible. And and Jason Tatum, as far as his approach, he's approaching it like an MVP. He takes care of his body, is meticulous about every single thing that he's doing, and everything is focused on the sole goal of winning an NBA championship. Man, love it. Fills my heart with with joy. Yeah. <laughs> Hearing him update the yeah. update the diet brought me a lot of joy. As my um, fiance is a naturopath, and she's a bit forced me to, to eat vegetables over the past uh, few years. It has a positive impact when you switch from like Taco Bell to to vegetables, and um, to see like the Snapchats from Tatum, like the Grizzly. He played the Grizzlies once, and he had a Snapchat of like very saucy wings, and the next day he was out, and I'm like. I reckon he got food poisoning from the wings the night before. So to to yeah, exactly the the full you know um, commitment to to winning across the board is that so is good. a full team mentality change, and that is something that has changed a lot over my time too. It used to, and this is um, disappointing for me. I understand why it's happening. I don't like it. Like we used to when we would go to a city. On the plane afterwards, there would be food from that city. So if we were uh-huh. in Chicago, there would be deep dish pizza, individual deep oh, dish man. pizzas oh, on the plane. Nice. And if we were in California, like there's this inf- that infamous story about Doc Rivers. They were driving, I think, up north to San Francisco or something, and they pulled over to the In-N-Out and it took like three hours <laughs> to get their order from In-N-Out. <laughs> and so, and there was one, um, since I've been here, the bus or the plane broke down or something, 
And we ended up going to Bojangles, like on the way to the airport. <laughs> and uh, that doesn't happen anymore. Like the nutritionist has taken over. They have better power. <laughs> you guys have very specific meals laid out. I mean, Jalen Brown, you talk about a naturopath. Yeah. Jalen is purely plant-based at this point. Um, and so to the point where I asked him, because my son has severe food allergies, I was like, what butter do you use? And he's like, I don't know. My chef goes to the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not helpful, Jalen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, so you're right. Uh, nutrition is a yeah. focus and that is a team-wide initiative. That is, I did not know that Bojangles story. That's absolutely <laughs> That's hilarious. <so> but <laughs> shifting gears just a little bit, you got the opportunity to be extremely close to some of the most famous people in the world. Literal royalty came to Boston. Oh gosh, yes. What's it like to be so close to Luke Cornett? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, though, what nice. was that? well done? What was that uh, experience like Luke to Cornette. have the Royals in into Boston? I mean, it was it was a cool moment. My wife knew about it. She shared yeah. the Celtics article. That's how I know it was a big deal. Uh, you seemed very excited on the broadcast, which was great. So how was how was that experience? Amazing. Um, no, just to give a little background. So my dad is Chinese. He was born in Hong Kong, though. So he immigrated to Jamaica, which is where he grew up. And then uh, he went to a British boarding school. So um, he grew up like in that British mindset. He like he loves everything British. Like he lo and, and they filmed the first James Bond in Jamaica while he was there. Oh, and cool. so he, okay. like, he loves James Bond, he yeah. loves Jaguars, like he just <laughs> loves it all. So it has That's been so like good. in my consciousness my whole life. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, yeah, so I was pretty hyped. I found out about it a few days before and I got the email and it was embargoed and I was just like, <gasps> I'm like, I couldn't believe it was going to happen. I was like, afraid something was going to happen and that it wouldn't happen. I was, yeah, I was very excited. The team was not as excited. Like the players, <laughs> Joe Mazzula, obviously, clearly not that excited. And, um, I had, I was like, not, I didn't have to temper my excitement. I was like, oh, okay, you're not as excited. <laughs> <laughs> Keep my cool. Um, but it was a logistical nightmare oh, for bet. everyone involved. It, they told me, they were like, it, it was worse than a finals game. It was just like wow. the security checkpoints and, and everything that went into that. And then their schedule and they, you know, what was planned, what everything for them is planned down to the minute. So they were supposed to leave after the third quarter, but it was a close game. Prince William loves basketball. And so they decided to stay. And then so everyone around is just like, they're staying. What do we do? What do we do now? <laughs> what do they say? <laughs> they stayed there. But they're like, do we go? Are we like, is it over? Do we? So, um, but everyone I spoke to said they couldn't have been more nice. I didn't get to talk to them or meet them. So, oh. you know. There were barriers. They gave out pins. If you had a pin, you could be within the area. Okay. Yeah. Sounded very Weird. official. Um, so no, I didn't get to meet them, but I was very excited. And, uh, you know, we don't get that many celebrities at Celtics games, but I feel like now we have a Trump card. Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. The prince and princess have not been to America. And who knows how long this was their first NBA, first and only NBA game. So. But my, fav my favorite moment from the game was, I was like, that was the game, like Tatum at 49. He was just going yeah, off. Yeah, he had a and crazy game. There's just this video of, of the prince just clapping, going, he's very good. I'm like, I love the idea. It's like your first NBA game, he's going to go back and be like, wow, that Jason Tatum guy just must be the best player in the world because he was just killing everybody. <laughs> he um, looked so good. So good. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah. Wayne, Luke Cornett, 
Absolutely. Legend. NBA royalty on this Celtics yes. team. He is hilarious. He's like one of the nicest men <laughs> you'll ever meet. He's really funny. On media day, I learned a new word, phlegmatic. Yeah, and nope. Annie's got all the celebrations. Yeah, like, oh, so yeah, the Stromile Swift. Right? Yeah. In, uh, <laughs> in Phoenix. So, yes, I, I I would put, you know, William and Kate right here and then yeah. Luke. Right the behind him. Like right in there. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair. That's a fair ranking. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, we're, we're probably burying the lead just a little bit, but right before we started recording, we got the tweets from Woj and Shams that Time Lord, Robert Williams III, is making his debut tomorrow against the Orlando Magic, who are on a four-game winning streak, quietly, um, by the way. But man, the Time Lord it's is back. How good. Because, I mean, they really teased us uh, in that, oh that practice between the Phoenix and the Warriors game. I could not believe when the injury report came out hours later that he was just out. I know. I was like, what? Give us a what? questionable. Give us a questionable, please. Head games. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Out. It was just out. I mean, I'm glad they did that because there would have been so much speculation up until that point. And I asked Joe about it yesterday. I'm like, what were you guys doing? And he's like, you guys took that way out of context. <laughs> we did not. No one was trying to mess with you. They don't understand yeah. how excited we are, yeah. clearly. Um, but yeah, I don't, how, how are you feeling about Rob coming back? Um, you know, were they being extra cautious, tentative? Um, do you think he's ready to roll? That kind of stuff. I do think he's ready to roll. I don't think they would roll him out there if he wasn't. Yeah. Um, he Friday marks 12 weeks, I think exactly, from the surgery on September 23rd. And so the initial timeline that we received was basketball activities between 8 and 12 weeks. And he surpassed that. So he's ready. He has said over and over again, there have been no setbacks, which is, I think, really important for him and his recovery from that. Um, And I also think it's important that he got as much time as he needed, considering everything that went on through the playoffs and how much he played through. And so you want to make sure that that knee is as healthy as it's going to possibly be before he heads into this arduous um, season grind again. And so I, I, I do think that they would be super conservative with him. And so I don't think there is any chance that he is not ready to go and ready to roll. I'm so excited. It's probably he's back. How yeah. excited is Forsberg? Is he okay? Chris, yeah, I talked to Chris earlier today and he's like, I'm not going to shoot around unless Rob's playing. <laughs> nice. Yes, he's like, there's standards. no reason. They don't <laughs> No, oh, so so Chris will be at a shooter out tomorrow morning. Yep. <laughs> um, All right. And yeah, okay. I'm excited to see what Rob brings. I think the trip also showed because the Celtics had to play those last, um, it was four games starting with Phoenix without Al Horford and just how important he is as the anchor of that defense. And also a guy who, when those runs start happening, things start snowballing and getting out of hand. He's someone who can pull everyone back in and, um, help them to maintain their poise. And so I think it'll be huge to have Al back. And then we saw just how big of an X factor Rob is in the playoffs between the games where he played and he didn't play. And so I think it's going to be huge. I mean, we had Luke Cornett, who I love, playing in crunch time against the Lakers. (laughs) Anyway, shifting gears, Abby, previously when you were on the show, we were the Celtics Reddit podcast. And with you coming on, We went back to our roots. I posted on Reddit and said, what would you people like to ask Abby Chin? And if you want to feel good about yourself, Mm -hmm. go check out that thread because there was a lot of love for what you do. And and one guy, um, formal substance 520 said his daughter didn't care about the Celtics until he saw 
until she saw you and said, there's a girl that plays for the Celtics and now she's a big fan. So I thought that was adorable. Um, So we grabbed a few questions from the Redditors about, you know, that they wanted to ask you. And the first one is from user annoying Celtics fan. And he says, do you have a fandom or friendship with fellow alum Derek White? Because you both went to Colorado. Do you guys ever talk it up about UC Boulder? Is that burrito place still around or? We do. Oh, now that uh, nice. Pete's, right? The burrito place? I, um, I went to UMass. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I wouldn't say we're like friends, but I definitely right. pointed, made, made sure he knew the moment he arrived that I also went to Colorado. <laughs> and then uh, the Celtics have a new PR person, uh, her name, woman, her name is Heather, and she also went to see you. And so we have had discussions. I also, he was the first person I went to when I heard that Deion Sanders was coming. He was fired up about it. So it made me feel better. Um, (laughs) I think, but Derek, when he arrived midway through last season, it was such a crazy time for him. Number one, I mean, playing with the Spurs your entire life. And then to have Pop come to your room and tell you that they traded you to Boston mid-season I think is is pretty shocking in itself. And then he and his wife were just about to have their first baby. And so to have to move her across the country. Um, but that's really where I was like, if you need help, I'm, you know, I, I can happy to talk you through some stuff. And um, he didn't ask for my help, but uh, that was really where I volunteered my information <laughs> about like navigating the Boston medical scene. So I'm not sure if he <laughs> appreciated that, so- but that's, that was my main message. <laughs> arrived. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Speaking of volunteering information, we're going to ask you to, to volunteer some more information, Abby. Uh, Reddit user Gay for Jamie wants to know, are there any nicknames for guys on the Celtics that we don't hear regularly? Any unofficial nicknames? Not that I know of. I mean, like everyone calls Al OG, right? Because he's uh-huh. old. And then... Uh, <laughs> he's our age, the, by the way. The Green Cornet, I think, <laughs> yeah. is one that um, people are trying to get started. And then... Blake said it to me in a post-game interview. And I was like, is that really, are we doing that? And he was like, yeah, that, that's been done. So I think they do use a lot of nicknames um, amongst each other, but I don't know if like how many stick. I think stuff just gets thrown out there, you know? Like, I mean, JT does go by, like people call him Big Deuce for real. He has it tattooed that's on his so hand. cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Is it? Oh, I think it's awesome. <laughs> uh, Cornish game hen is one that just kind of slipped out there. That seemed like maybe it wasn't meant to see the light of day, but it was really picked up and embraced by uh, the, the Twitterverse. Um, so that was really cool to see. Uh, we've got another question from Total Mayo who asks, what does Abby see or hear about this team that we might not know? It doesn't have to be nefarious, but rather something fun or interesting. And then we'll combine that with another question from Ray Louis 34 who asks, what's the best Celtic story of a player that you can share with us? Now, you may have already done that with the Kelly Olenek uh, burrito story, which is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Something that you may not know. I don't know. I I would say I think that this group gets gets along better than almost any group I've been a part of. And I think a huge part of that is Marcus and Jalen and Jason last season coming to a head at the beginning and and working through all of that and now understanding that they're all on the same page and working towards the same goal. And so I think that allows you to work through other things. Um, But I also think that Grant and Blake Griffin have been a huge addition to the locker room and that like 
Jalen and Jason are pretty reserved guys naturally. It's not in them to be boisterous and um, command a locker room and and be and not that they're not going to hold guys accountable, but yell at guys, you know, just in the middle of nowhere. And so Grant and uh, Grant and Blake, Grant initially, I think everyone last season was just like, where is this guy coming from? He's organizing team dinners. Like, who does he think he is? He's not even playing. He's not even in the rotation. <laughs> and then you saw the, the leap that he made last season, but then also because of that work and because um, he is a constant presence, you know, the guys do attach to him and, and, and he lightens it. He lightens the mood and makes it so that it's not so tense and quiet and, he just is not afraid to mess with people. And then Blake Griffin has come in and added to that. And so um, it's it's a really good, like I said, the vibes are very good right now. Everybody's getting along. Everybody's feeling good. Um, I know Mike Gorman tells a story all the time about how you have 15 guys and everyone takes 15 cabs away from the arena afterwards. Mm-hmm. And this group, while they're not like all going to Cancun together, they do enjoy each other's company. And um, you can feel that it does it does feel different yeah i'm convinced brad is not only a kaizen warrior but a vibes master by bringing blake Mm -hmm. and brogdon like i think he's got a good feel for the kind of guys that he bring in absolutely and danny too i mean danny was really good about getting the like competitive guys the guys who like just had heart and crowder loved the game of basketball so much like terry rosiers and i mean even isaiah thomas and just the guys who bled basketball um, Danny was really good at that. And then, yes, I think Brad is really good at sensing the basketball IQ, but also like if you're not with it and if you don't want to play for the team, we don't need you. Like if you're not going to help us, you're hurting us and we'll move on. I love it. We, we kind of covered it, but from user Mr. Blonde 1003, um, which is kind of asking about the development of, of the Jays. So, um, I mean, I guess there's, there's, we can never do too much on, I guess. The Jay's relationship, no. but quickly, I, I guess, like, um, yeah, just Jay love. What I think is crazy <laughs> is I, um, because I have been there every day. So it is like with your kids, you don't notice the growth. Yeah. Um, and so I look back at pictures of Jason Tatum and I know we always used to make the joke, like he's only 19, but you look back at those pictures and he looks like he's 19. Like now when he's talking, he has his full beard. I'm like, wow, you can actually grow facial hair. That's exciting for you. <laughs> So, <laughs> don't tell him I said that. They won't say this, don't worry. Um, but so, that's one thing. But then also just their development. And I remember in Jason Tatum's rookie season, him telling me that he believes he can be an MVP in this league. And he understands that that is a goal that he's working towards. And then to now, this season, where he's not only in the conversation, he's the leader. And, and to see all of the work and, and all of the development that has gone into that because he came in so talented. I mean, that guy could go get a bucket as a rookie in a league full of men. And then now to see him using all of that experience as well that they've had has been really cool, I think. And something that um, you may not, when, when guys come into this league, may not understand everything that goes into getting someone to that point. And it's amazing to see him there. And then to think that he still has so much room to grow. He's not, he's technically not even in his prime yet. And okay, so yeah. that's a really, really scary thought. Um, and then <laughs> oh, first of the floor, bingo. It's an appearance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, over under 40 and a half. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Um, and then uh, 
for Jalen as well, I I recently, I don't remember, I, maybe it was during the finals, went back and looked at the interview that I did with Jalen at the draft. And um, he talked about just that he was a confident guy to begin with. But then to see him and the way he was speaking through that playoff series. And I think that it wasn't a fake until you make it. I do believe he was confident, but to see him at that point in his career and to understand everything that he had gone through and um, everything that it took to actually have this confidence and this aura and this um, invincibility. And, and he has that he's earned it. And this season he's taken that to another level where I, I went to him. I think it was, it was early on when we were in Miami and it was that first and uh, Eastern conference finals rematch. And, I was like, so, you know, you've been really efficient. You've been, uh, you bring it every game consistent. I'm like, what is, what is that approach? Where is that coming from? And he's like, Abby, that's who I am. I've, I've been doing this my entire career. And so it, um, he just, I feel like has taken it to another level. So that's been really cool to see as well. Yeah. And we will uh, get to see that over the next six games yes. at home in Boston. Finally, a nice long home stand. So our upcoming schedule is a a double up with Orlando for some reason. We and did that then, with Miami too. Miami yeah. was here for six yep. days. Yeah, that's for crazy, free. man. Especially at, at they were probably freezing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the return of Aaron Neesmith. Yes. No one is more excited for that. Uh Pacers <laughs> team for yeah. the first time. Me too. Yeah, for they're sure. they're fun. They no. play fast. Halliburton's awesome. And uh, then the T Wolves, and then the Bucks. What game, Abby? Probably other than the Bucks game. Are you? (laughs) Yeah, obviously it's that one, Christmas Day. Are you uh, most excited for? I'm excited to see Indiana, but I also um, I really like the Orlando team and just the the talent, the young talent that they have that you know um, is just they're just so young and and trying to figure it all out, but. Paolo Bencaro, I was blown away when we saw him in Orlando. What he is able to do at his age as a rookie, finishing through contact, I mean, going and getting a bucket, getting to his spots no matter what, it it was incredible to see. And then knowing that he is really good friends with Jason Tatum, has leaned on Jason um, through the draft process, through his time at Duke, and uh, those two have gotten pretty close. And so, to I mean, that's a scary thought to me that Paolo at this level what he's doing. And then if he can develop on defense, that is going to be a scary, that guy is going to be a problem. Oh yeah. He, he already is a problem. Like I can't, he is a problem. I can't believe he's yeah. giving everybody 20, like 20 a game. Um, and quietly, yeah. like they beat the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George. They beat the Raptors twice, I think. Yeah. Right. Beat the Raptors twice. And then shellacked the Hawks last night who, which actually, I don't think that's too hard to do at the moment with the Hawks. Not But like they're coming in, <laughs> they're coming in hot. So like um, the yeah. Celtics need to be, you know, up for this. Um, and oh wow, man, the fact that Rob and we'll have to see. Yeah. I know it's Orlando, but it's that first game off of yeah. a long road trip. It's, it's tough. And Orlando always gives us trouble. Like yeah, even I agree. Yeah, even that first game in uh, we played them earlier in the season. What was it like one twenty four to one twenty or something like that? Like it was it was kind of yeah. wire to wire. I'm sort of Terrence Ross. Um, who hasn't done anything since that game? He's going to be going to be back to haunt us. So gotta be ready. It is. It's a long homestand. This season, yeah. the schedule is weird. Like, yeah, it's mm. very strange to be home away for that long, home for that long, and then mm. we do it all again in March too. There's another long trip in March. 
Look, Abby, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here with a very uh, on my part hastily prepared segment <laughs> called "How well do you know your colleagues?" As in, how well do you know your lovely colleagues there at NBC okay. Sports Boston? So five <laughs> very well, hard hitting so questions. Not warned about this. You may have, but I didn't read that far in the email. So <laughs> okay, there you go. Oh, you should have scrolled to the bottom. So we've got five very <laughs> five very hard hitting questions um, about your, like I said, lovely colleagues okay. there at NBC Sports Boston. We're gonna start with question one. In 2014, Brian Scalabrini announced his quote-unquote homecoming heading back to Boston to become a Comcast Sportsnet announcer. How did Scal make this announcement? Well, I, I remember he like mimicked the cover of the SI. No? Yeah, <laughs> that is correct. You got it. Yeah, yeah. Nailed yeah, it. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Question two. The Sultan of Stat... Dick Leip, in addition to his role with the Celtics broadcast, has held a full-time position at which university since 1977? I know this one. Bentley. Nice. You got it. Nice. You're all over it. Yeah. I had yeah. no idea. I Dick Leip these- is amazing, though. The Sultan of Stat. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> he's the best. How good. Question three. Chris Forsberg has his own IMDB page. Name one of the three items on his IMDB page. Can I say these are impossible? To ben get, is a by the way, trivia. So do not feel bad. It's not like PTI. It's nothing on from when he was at ESPN. You're, well, no, you're on the right track, actually. I will say, and we love Chris Forsberg. Most people do. Not necessarily deserving of an IMDb page. These particular credits. <laughs> and it's not, is it a thirty for thirty something? I'm going to bring it up because we're never going to get this. Um, okay. no. and I'll, I'll hide the answer on screen there Golden as well. Wingo. Okay. GT Academy USA, Golic and Wingo, Mike and Mike. I think I've heard of Mike and so those Mike. Those were ESPNs. What's the GT Academy? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Twenty twelve. Okay. Um, I'm in studio tomorrow. I'll ask yes. You. Yes. Oh, we need to tell on that <laughs> one. Amazing. Question four. Trainee Casey was originally hired by NBC Sports in 2014 to cover which Winter Olympic sport? Is it different from curling? What she covers now? You got it. It's curling. curling. Nailed it. On yeah. fire. Question five. Originally, the broadcast team of Mike and Tommy shared which area alongside legendary radio voice Johnny Most at the old Boston Garden? That is one of my greatest regrets that I never met Red Auerbach and I never went to a game at the old garden. So, but they were always courtside, right? Or did was there the overhang that they had to sit on? Yeah, I'm going to say that's correct. What do you think, Spooty? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. High yeah. above courtside is yeah, what they used yeah, to call it. Yeah, like, yeah, you got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you can yeah. see here, he's clearly he's got like a top-down kind of yeah. view there. So, they were apparently right next to uh, to Johnny Moser. So, I, I think you finished four out of five there. So, clearly, That's you're so extremely astute yeah. when it comes to uh, your fellow colleagues there at NBC Sports Boston. <laughs> uh, thank you uh, for, for entertaining us or humoring us, I should say, by uh, doing that trivia. Well, Abby Chin, look, it's always a pleasure to have you on. You're as astute with your takes as you are generous with your time. Thanks again for coming on, and here's to an awesome rest of the season. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. I'm happy to do it anytime, although, Ben, the emailing is difficult, transcontinental. So Absolutely. <laughs> we'll have to find a better way. I feel that. Trust me. No worries. All right. That's going to do it for this one. Like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Thanks to Jake Eisenberg and Wayne Spoonie. Thanks again to Abby Chin, and we'll be back next week. 